Welcome to the Ransom Life Podcast. Ransom Life is a nonprofit in San Antonio, Texas, and our vision is to see every exploited youth redeemed and restored. Our mission is to equip and empower exploited youth to experience freedom and purpose, and we accomplish this through mentoring, counseling, and awareness. Our hope for this podcast is to bring you information on child sex trafficking that is easy to listen to and easy to share. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ransom Life Podcast. My name is James, and joining me today, as she always is, is... Sarisa. And we're happy that you're here with us for another episode uh, about pornography. And the first two episodes, uh, we hope that that was helpful for you and informative. And uh, we have a great episode planned for you today as well. And we hope that you've been able to share this content with other people. Because uh, this content, it's hard to uh, listen to sometimes. Not everybody wants to listen to pornography, uh, informational content. But uh, it, we think it is helpful for people to understand uh, that what harm pornography is bringing to people and how it's also related to child sex trafficking. So, Teresa, can you give us a quick recap of uh, the first two episodes? Sure. So, the first episode, we talked about um, the direct link between pornography and child sex trafficking. They are directly linked. Um, And so, we discussed the question, if I am watching pornography, am I participating in child sex trafficking? Um, So, if you would like to know the answer to that, you need to go back and listen to that first episode. Um, And that first episode is why we get very excited to talk about pornography, because it is directly linked to child sex trafficking. And we are trying to essentially end and prevent child sex trafficking from happening. And so we have to have the hard conversation about pornography. Um, And so then that second episode, we talked about why porn is so addictive, what is actually occurring in the brain. Um, And so we go into detail about why it's addictive and how it's addictive, just like a drug. So you don't want to miss that either. So go back and listen to that episode as well. Um, and today we're going to talk about something really interesting, actually. Um, we're going to dive into the history of pornography and we're going to talk about the three A's. So the three A's are that pornography is affordable, it's accessible, and it's anonymous. And that's why it makes it so dangerous. So James is going to jump into the history and kind of walk us through, I guess, the evolution of how Pornography has evolved with technology and all that. The evolution of porn. (laughs) So back before the 90s, pornography, it was rare. It was hard to find. There were magazines that that were out there. There was also uh, pornography, like content that was made, uh, but it was all on video. Um, It was not easy to get to like it is nowadays. So if there was a young kid that was looking for pornography, they had to uh, go look for their either their dad's uh, stash of Playboy magazines or their uncle's stash, or they would have to go to the auto shop with their family because sometimes the mechanics would have uh, the Playboy calendars up on the walls with uh, nude models. And sometimes they'd even go into the library. A young kid might go to the library and look through the art section just so that they can get a glimpse of skin. And uh, it's uh, it was a lot different then than it is now. Uh, but... Ever since, uh, and as the children would grow up, maybe uh, they turned 18 years old. Once they turned 18 years old, they were able to go to the video store and rent pornography. They were, in, they were able to rent a pornographic video. But the problem was going into the video store, uh, even in, especially in a small town, there was a chance that they were going to run into somebody they knew and uh, their friend's mom. And they'd be like, oh, what is the video you're renting? And then they'd have to have an awkward conversation or hide it behind their back. Or they might even know the person at the cash register Uh, when they were checking that video out and they may have went to school with that person. And so it was kind of awkward. There was a stigma behind it still. 
And so it was it was difficult and it wasn't it's wasn't normalized like it is today necessarily. And then things started to change during the 1990s. That's when the Internet became accessible for more people. Uh, people could access the Internet. People could upload videos and pictures of pornography on the Internet. And unfortunately, it was used a lot for that. Uh, but the thing was, the Internet was not uh, easy to get onto like it is nowadays. It was very slow. It was dial-up Internet. Uh, I remember growing up in the 90s about dial-up Internet. Sarissa, do you remember dial-up Internet? I sure do. Can you uh, annoying noise. Can you uh, tell us what the noise was? <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a lot more annoying than that. <laughs> yes, uh, that was pretty annoying, though. <laughs> That was good. Uh, anyways, if uh, if you're a kid listening to this and you don't know what we're referring to, I would recommend you uh, looking it up. I'm sure you could find a, a, a clip somewhere on the internet about Google it. Yeah, Google the dial-up internet sounds, and then it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, anyways, but it wasn't a lot of fun back in the 90s when you were trying to get on the internet, especially if you were a person that was getting on the internet to try to access pornography. Because it wasn't easy to uh, download like it is today. Uh, back then, it might take an hour to download a five minute video clip. And at that point, you might even have accidentally downloaded the wrong clip and then it would have been frustrating. Uh, so pornography was still accessible, but it wasn't easy to get to. And a lot of times those uh, pornography websites that were putting videos and pictures up there, you had to pay for their services to be able to access that content. Uh, so that was the 1990s. Things started to change over in 2007. There was a, uh, several big things that changed in 2007. The first thing is that high-speed internet became affordable and uh, easier to get. So uh, there was no need for dial-up internet anymore. If you could afford dial-up internet, you could afford high-speed internet at that point. And so more people were starting to upgrade their internet speeds, and they were able to download more videos, and it became uh, more accessible than it was before. And the other thing that happened in 2007, we've talked before about how porn websites were taking on the YouTube approach. And that's something that they started doing around around the year 2007 is they started making it to where anyone with an email address can upload videos onto their porn websites. And doing that, it was more pornography that was being put into production. And there was also... Uh, it was, for the most part, free pornography. Uh, just like YouTube, anyone could go on YouTube and watch videos. Uh, the way they would make money off of that, like we talked before, is about is through advertising. So those were two big things that happened in 2007. But the third biggest thing that happened in 2007, which may have actually been the biggest thing that happened in 2007 mm -hmm. in the world of pornography, is the invention of... Sorry, do you know what it was? The iPhone. The, the iPhone. Smartphone. Yes, that's when... There were smartphones before 2007. There was the BlackBerry, Palm Pilots. Uh, if you're a kid listening to this nowadays, you probably don't even know what those are. Um, but the iPhone got popular in 2007. That was when the first one was released. And it became a computer in your pocket that you could access pornography wherever you want, whenever you wanted, as long as you had a data plan to be able to get on the Internet. So before, yeah, before the iPhones, um, well, I guess the smartphones you could, but... The flip phones, guys, you couldn't really, <laughs> I don't know, young people listening, you couldn't access the internet like you can just on an iPhone. Um, you couldn't access it. The iPhone just made it so much more easier and you could access multiple things at one time. Um, flip phones used to be for calling and then eventually texting. T9 people out there that used to text yeah. T9. Um, anyway, so I just young people listening it was never it was not that easy like now it's just easy like you have 
iPads and iPhones and computers and laptops and, you know, all the above. But yeah, that's a good transition to my next point is that uh, after 2007, the years to come, Apple started uh, creating the iPhone 2, iPhone 3. Every year they were creating more con- or more um, technology and they were in they're making better iPhones. And so what were parents doing with their iPhones, with their iPads, with their laptops? They'd buy a new one and then they'd give their old one to their kids. And at that point, their kids became the coolest kids in school and parents (laughs) didn't think that to be a problem at that point. They didn't know the dangers of a child having access to unfiltered, uh, to an unfiltered iPhone or iPad. Uh, So it became dangerous. And at that point, more and more uh, children started being able to access the internet from 2007. And now there's still more children getting iPhones to the point where um, it's reported that uh, more than half of U.S. children now own a smartphone by the age of 11. And I got that statistic from uh, NPR. It was a news article that they put together uh, back in October of 2019, saying that more than half of U.S. children now own a smartphone by age 11. And I bet by now it's higher than that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now in 2021, I've never said it like that before in 2021. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot more children having smartphones and is it a problem for a child to have a smartphone in and of itself? Not necessarily. It's a problem for a child to have unfiltered access to the internet and unfiltered access to people. Cause if they have unfiltered access to the internet, that means predators have unfiltered access to your child. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's important to understand. And, uh, That's really the evolution of pornography. And that's how we got to where we are now. That's how porn became affordable, accessible, and anonymous. And the thing that, the the A that scares me the most is anonymous. And that word scares me because anybody can say uh, one thing out in public. They could put on a face. They could, uh, so to speak, put on their church clothes and uh, act like they're a respectable citizen. But the reality is behind closed doors, they can be doing anything. We don't know what they could be doing. If the internet has made all sorts of different things possible, all sorts of different crimes to be possible that can easily be covered up. And that's how we hear stories about uh, prominent uh, leaders in our community or leaders in the church or leaders in the school uh, end up uh, getting charged with possession of child pornography. Uh, unfortunately, pornography, as we learned in one of the earlier episodes, can uh, start off with what some might consider to be an innocent uh, viewership of porn and it goes to the next level to the next level uh, because it's so affordable, so accessible, and anyone can anonymously be a part of it and be participating in it. I think the A that freaks me out the most, so all of them are unfortunate and disturbing. <laughs> um, but the accessibility piece just really gets me. So it's it's just so accessible now. Like you literally, sometimes you don't even have to. So one of our um, team members on our staff had a pop-up um, on her safari. And it was a... Advertisement. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So it was an advertisement of a woman who was naked. Um, and the caption was something like, you don't have to be 18 or I don't know. So it's, I, to me, that's the part that freaks me out the most because kids kind of like what James was saying, if they have an iPhone or a smartphone, um, and they have unfiltered internet access that can just pop up for them or, adults out there, kids out there, you receive random text messages sometimes from random numbers or emails and it's click this link, blah, blah, blah. That most of the time leads to a pornography website. Your, you, you, your USPS package arrived. Click here. 
Right. I've seen that recently. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And so these kids as young as maybe five, I mean, seriously though, have these smartphones and they're clicking on these links, not knowing any better. Like it's, it's targeting people not knowing any better. Um, and then they're exposed to pornography at a really young age. And of course, naturally human beings are curious. So they're going to click on it. They're going to try and watch it. They're going to try and figure out what it is even at a young age. And so the accessibility piece just really bothers me because it's so accessible. It's not even like, you don't even have to be looking for it. Yeah. And that reminds me of uh, what happened to us uh, maybe about uh, whenever we started our uh, exposed pornography presentation, uh, we got a copy of our presentation that we recorded and we put it up on YouTube and uh, it was uh, getting a good amount of views on YouTube and but no comments or anything. So then I got an alert that somebody commented on your video. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what somebody had to say about the video. And all it was was a link. Somebody had posted a link in the comments of that video. And I was like, this is not good. Okay, I'm absolutely going to delete this. Um, But uh, Sresa saw that it was posted there, and uh, she wanted to uh, make sure she knew what it was before we deleted it. And she clicked it, and it was a pornographic website. And so she got out of there quickly, and uh, we deleted that comment so that nobody would accidentally uh, click it. Because what if a child was watching the exposed presentation or a teenager watching it, and then they go to the comments, see this link, click it, and now they're on a porn website? Well, and that's a good point. Parents, please pay attention <laughs> to what your kids are doing, um, especially on YouTube, because people just like that, that's what they do. They go around to videos that are starting to get more and more views, and they know people are viewing it, and they're posting links um, in the comments. And so... And it, it all leads back to pornography websites. So, um, And by the way, I reported that user. So hopefully <laughs> YouTube did the right thing to kick them off. But they had been a user. I was able to look at their profile. They had been a user, a user for several years. And all they do is comment uh, links mm-hmm. on different posts. I was like, there's people that do that. And that's not great. We just have to be so vigilant with, the, with our children nowadays um, because it's so accessible. It's so anonymous. It's so affordable. Um, and so we just, we have to be very vigilant with our kids to be able to protect them. I've heard it said, you know, maybe you are locking your doors at night. You feel like your house is safe and protected, but if your kid has a smartphone, a tablet, a computer in the room with unfiltered access, it's like leaving their bedroom door open to the world and any predator can walk in. Yeah. All that to say, we don't want to scare you. Um, we want to make sure that you have the information. I mean, this all this kind of scary. We want a uh, healthy topic. scare. Yeah, we, we want people to, to understand. Yeah. Yes, but we don't want to leave you with, here's all the scary things that you should uh, keep your children away from. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, we want to let you know, if your child accidentally ended up watching a link or clicking something and seeing something they weren't supposed to see, unfortunately, that's something that happens all the time, but it's not the end of the world. There's still things that you can do as a parent to uh, help your child out and have these conversations with them. And that's why it's important to start having these conversations as early as possible. Uh, We talked before how uh, some studies say the the earliest exposure to pornography on average is 11 to 12 years old. But we also said that there's some people that say the earliest exposure is eight years old. So at what point should you start talking to your kids about pornography and about uh, things of this nature? And we've heard people say, start having conversations with your kid when they're old enough to have a conversation in general. 
if your child's two years old and can understand uh, different things, then you can start talking to them not about pornography necessarily, but you can talk to them about their body and you can uh, help keep them informed about uh, just everything in general. And as they grow, you can continue to have more healthy conversations and uh, from that's how those conversations become easier to have is if when you actually start having those conversations. So please, if you are listening to this and uh, you are parenting a child or a teenager or even a young adult, uh, if you're still involved in their lives, we don't want you to uh, be stressed out and 100 uh, percent worried. But you need to have a, a healthy type of worry to where you're able to take those next steps. And one of those first steps is listening to a podcast like this and sharing it with your uh, friends, family, with uh, other parents that you uh, work with or that you are friends with. And we think that this is important. And then from there, the next step is to be able to learn more and more about it. So on our website is our knowledge hub. And we have different uh, topics that we go over. We have a section for parents. We have a section for youth. We have a section all about pornography. So we would encourage you to go take a look at it, check it out. And we have links to other websites on that uh, knowledge hub that can get you connected with uh, different organizations that are doing a great job in uh, helping uh, parents be equipped to have these conversations and uh, be equipped to put these uh, monitors and filters in place so that your child doesn't accident, accidentally view pornography. So please uh, just do the best. We know that there's no perfect parents out there. Uh, just the fact that you're listening to this right now is a huge deal. And so we commend you for that. And if you have any questions, if you want to reach out to us, if you if you want some uh, advice or links that we can send you to, please feel free to connect with us. We'd be happy to uh, get you connected and uh, help you get pointed in the right direction so that we can together help keep our children safe and uh, help keep them from that early exposure and help them in the long run so that as an adult, they're not accidentally falling into uh, this trap that is pornography. So make sure you tune in for our very last session on pornography. We're going to be talking about culture and the role that culture plays in pornography with our children, with our adults, um, just culture in general. So you don't want to miss that because it's good. We have a lot to say about culture. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening uh, to this episode. We look forward to having you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found this information helpful, please subscribe to our channel and share with your family and friends. Our goal is to educate as many people as possible in hopes of ending child sex trafficking. For more information about Ransom Life, please visit our website at ransomlifetexas.org.